All right, everyone, and welcome back to another roundup edition of On the Margin. Today, I am joined, as always, by my magnanimous co-host. Ah, magnanimous. Love it. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do speed reveal today. So I am wearing the uh, the Bitcoin pants, right, for Happy Bitcoin mm-hmm. Friday. But I was going to wear Pokemon socks, but I decided to go with on-chain monkey socks, and I'll explain why. Nice. So I was going to wear Pokemon socks as a shout-out to Colleen Sullivan, who's probably listening to this tomorrow during her Saturday run, about the time I'm eating my second Saturday donut. Uh, so shout out to Colleen for, for being better than me. Um, and her handle in uh, Pokemon Go is Bitcoin 21 million, and mine has got Bitcoin. And tomorrow afternoon, we will be uh, playing together online as we chase uh, Haxorus uh, oh, no on Community Day, and uh, that'll be fun. But so I was going to do that. But then I realized that next week before we do the next episode, June 15th, is a really, really big day. It's a huge Mm. day. One, I've declared it the crypto equinox as we go from spring to summer. But more importantly, it is the day that uh, the Bitcoin or the uh, on-chain monkeys dimensions project will be inscribed on Bitcoin. This is... This is amazing. This is 3D generative art. So first of its kind, and it will be inscribed on January 2009 Satoshis. So 300 of them, one of ones, uh, super exciting. Shout out to Danny Yang and Amanda Terry for, for getting it done uh, and good things too, but very cool. Love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's going to be a big day. It's been a it's been a big week in crypto, actually. So maybe we could start with kind of the two <laughs> the two big stories. Here. I, I didn't notice. Did something happen this week in in crypto? I mean, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I caught something. I was picking into something. It was pretty niche, but uh, SEC sued Binance. You always do the hard work. I know. You right? Always do the yeah. hard work, Epa Leader. Hey, I scour the tape. I scour the tape. But I, I can't, this is what I came up with. So. Uh, people would probably have known this. This is splashed across the cover of basically every mainstream media outlet. Obviously, we've been covering it uh, pretty extensively at BlockRocks. But there are two suits that went out this week. One was against uh, Binance. The other was against Coinbase. They're getting mixed up together in the headlines, but they're extremely different suits. So the you know to drastically oversimplify the the claims made against or the allegations made against Binance uh, are much more serious. So. The defendants in the Binance case are Binance, so that's Binance, the international inter- uh, in- entity, BAM Management, BAM Trading, and Binance CEO, uh, CZ. The claims are Binance, BAM uh, Trading sold unregistered securities. So they specifically named BNB and BUSD, BUSD being Binance's stablecoin. Binance commingled customer funds, which should be familiar for those of you who followed the SBF FTX debacle. Uh, so that's not great. Binance operated as an unregistered exchange. Uh, there was wash trading on Binance.us. I'm pretty sure also there were allegations that CZ owned and controlled some of the market makers for both international and US. Binance and CZ solicited US customers. A whole bunch of things. The list goes on. Not great. Coinbase, just to get through the details there, is a little bit different. So the charge specifically against Coinbase was that it's operating as an unregistered broker and sold unregistered securities. Um, So they named a couple of the unregistered securities, which also caused headlines because Solana and Polygon's Matic were included in there, along with Filecoin, Sand, Axie Infinity, Cardano, some of the other ones. And they specifically mentioned the staking program that Coinbase has laid out, which allows customers to stake five different crypto assets, Adam, ETH, Cardano, Sol, and Tezos. So that was a long mouthful. What did you think about the events of the week, Mark? Look, I, I get it. It's not in my best interests as a registered investment advisor to criticize openly and in a public forum uh, the, the, the person or persons who, who regulate me. But I, I can't help. I, this, is, this is crazy. I and mean, there's, no, there's no other word for it. It's, well... Actually, the more the, the crazy thing was the second part where he made a request, he who shall remain nameless, made a request to seize assets of Binance, uh, no matter where they were. I'm like, due process, um, innocent to proven guilty, 
Remember, these are allegations in a yeah. lawsuit, okay? Not a criminal complaint, a civil lawsuit. I mean, it's it's wild. It, it's We are back to the wild, wild west. I mean, the, so let's separate the Binance from the, the Coinbase, which I think you did a, a really good job because uh, they are very, very different. But they're very different. Let's, you know, on the Binance, you know, this whole idea that, okay, people are saying he commingled funds. No, there's allegations that he commingled funds. We, we don't know. Maybe, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Um, but, but that has to actually be proven and it actually has to be, you know, adjudicated. Um, so that's one. Two, you know, this, this idea that he sold unregistered securities. Here's the problem. No one ever called these things securities before they were sold. So now you're saying they're securities and, and BUSD, it's a stable coin. Are, are you now going to declare, okay, are you know, these guys going to declare all bank deposits as securities? All money market accounts are securities? Come on, to be consistent, that's what you would have to do. So, look, I, I think the BUSD thing, I mean, I mean, I, the Binance thing for me is um, related to FTX, right? We, we, we know the, 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 the CZ sold Alameda to Sam. Sam bought it back, paid a bunch of money, a bunch of FTT. Uh, the problem is, I this was described to me yesterday by this this really interesting guy, uh, investor. He said, "Why would you ever give your competitor a nuclear weapon with the football, right? With the detonator, right? Mm -hmm. You and, gave and them <laughs> an asset that you used to lever up your entire operation. That that's, was a bad decision." Just for the audience's knowledge, uh, some might not be aware, there was actually a relationship between Binance and FTX. Binance was one of the early large investors in FTX originally, and Binance got a really big chunk of FTT as part of, you were just describing the details of that deal. But as, as, a, as, a, as kind of a flashback to what, what FTX was, and Sam were doing was they had their own token that had an extremely high valuation, extremely low constrained float. And they were based, so they were basically propping up the price of that asset, pledging it as collateral and levering up. So that's what Mark's referring to. Oh, says, yeah. No, no, no. Because if it you was, dump the FTT, which Binance did, it sank the whole ship in like a day. Yeah. And, and so you, you basically gave your competitor a, a nuclear bomb to explode you. And that's exactly what CZ did. So I will argue there's a little bit of quid pro quo, tit for tat going on here. You can remember Gary and, and uh, Sammy were, were really tight. Right. I mean, they were they were friendly and yeah. I mean, actually super friendly, um, irregularly friendly. But um, anyway, so so the Binance thing is is what it is. And I, I think you, you overlay that with, oh, they're the CCP. I'm like, what are you talking about? Just because he's got a Chinese name doesn't mean he is the CCP. The company is registered all over the world. I think their headquarters is in the UK. I think he's in Dubai. Most of their entities are not in China. So making this a China Cold War thing is kind of weird. But that's that. The Coinbase one is this one, like literally are Colleen and I going to have to register our Pokemon Go assets as securities? Like literally? If, if the definition of security now is anything where a, a, an appreciation is anticipated, that's that's kind of what they're they're saying. Then, pretty much, I mean, art, um, any yeah. collectible. This my house. My house is now a security. I have to register it. I can only operate with brokers who register as securities brokers. Right, really, Gary. Really. So, so the question there's a, so there's a lot going on here, right? So, just to set context and sort of uh, add some more filters for people who might not be as familiar with the situation, there's there's a little bit of jockeying going on in between the SEC and the CFTC to say 
what is your domain? What is my domain? There's competition in between, you know, inter-regulator competition. Yep. And I think this is, a lot of this can be viewed as the SEC basically trying to extend their territory, right? Because all of this is new. This stuff's going to end up getting regulated, but it does, we don't know what goes to who yet. Yep. Um, there's a great graphic here. Let me see. I think I can share my screen uh, where, you know, because I think that especially from the perspective of Coinbase, what's been frustrating here is they have, you know, asked and begged for some kind of framework for how to for how to tell, you know, what they're allowed to list and how they're allowed to operate. The SEC allowed them to go public and then boom. And and really, people, you know, sort of the on-chain, the the Twitter sleuths basically have been implying that one of the one of the commonalities between what the SEC decided to label as a security here was what was featured on the Binance and Coinbase site. So you can actually see a little Venn diagram of of stuff here. But I don't know. I I guess I they're they're very different suits and we we should get some sort of legal expert on here because yeah, I I think tactically one thing that's it like I'd always heard this, right? Regulators pick their battles uh in a in a in a strategic way so that they don't attack someone with a gigantic war chest that can essentially afford you know afford to fight them and then they'll look look silly. It just looks like they're facing they're fighting so many different battles right now. So they've got the XRP battle yeah. that yep. we've been hearing whispers that we might get a ruling there in the next couple months. They're also deciding to take on at the same time Coinbase and Binance, which have gigantic war chests. Like yeah. now they've sort of the whole rest of the industry, right? They've basically made this an existential battle for crypto in the US. Look, I mean, so, and we've been talking about this, right? This is the then they fight you phase. Yeah. And and the sad part is this this isn't the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. It's the end of the beginning. Right? I, I agree with that. I've been talking about this for a while, like years, that look, 2009 to 15, no one cared. Literally, no one cared. No one in Washington, no, no average person, no one cared. I mean, the people working cared. Right. I mean, the people working on the projects and, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever he, she, they are and and a handful of of dedicated people, you know, pizza guy. He cared. And I should remember his name. I need to remember his name to 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 give him a shout out. But um, there weren't that many people who cared. And first they ignore you. So that's what everybody did. Then 16, 16 started to get a little real. People yeah. started talking about it. It was on CNBC, but mostly it was they ignore you. A bunch of nerds and geeks. I mean, no, then I'm sorry. Then they laugh at you. Ha! God, these nerds and geeks playing with their magic internet money. I mean, what is this internet wizard guy and and all these people and Brock Pierce with the hat and you know they just made fun of us. And okay, but starting last year, 2022, and I think it goes to 2027. Then they fight you. But I, I contend that the good news, if you're here, if you're a Bitcoiner, if you're in crypto, if you're a builder, a build, biddler, B-U-I-D-L, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, um, we've already won. I actually really believe that. I believe we have already won. And, and it is inevitable. And look, the people who have the most to lose, banks, insurance companies, brokers, the agents that accumulate $7 trillion of friction a year. And just let that number hang there for a second. That is six to 8% of global GDP every single year can be erased by this technology, by this innovation. Well, that's somebody's revenue. And Jamie and, you know, Moynihan and all these guys—they don't—they don't like that. They don't—they don't want that to happen. So, anytime I believe, anytime you see regulation through courts, that is a preemptive strike against disruption. And there's lots of examples. I I agree with you on that that framing. I will say, in terms of Binance, there is some very real stuff here. The SEC <laughs> did their job. They compiled a whole bunch of internal documents and. I gotta say, it looks horrendous for Binance. They there are a couple chat logs specifically here that I think there was a thread someone on Twitter, Adam Cochran, put together, where you know they've got the um, 
the head of BD and the former compliance lead at Binance talking, it is extremely, and this is the, this is the sort of tagline that everyone's heard about this. We're operating as an effing unlicensed security exchange in the USA, bro. Talking about how it'd be dumb to hold BNB, how the strategy is just, you know, compliance is a sinking ship, how this compliance lead refused to be the chief compliance officer because he was worried about his, you know, his personal liability. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. It's brutal. I mean, they, they really, they really did get him. And I, you know, I don't know anything that I have no special information. I will say, I think for crypto to fulfill its promise, I would love price discovery and the majority of trading volumes to move off of these, you know, off-chain, unauditable, offshore, you know, exchanges. I just, I yeah. just do not think this is the way. I yeah. don't think it's the way. And I, that's why I just wanted to highlight they're very different suits. And in terms of the Coinbase thing, I just think they're they're the ones who have at least my sympathy. Like they have really tried their best to play by the rules. I can't imagine. It's frustrating for me to hear it. I can't imagine how they feel when Gary says, hey, you can just come in and register. Oh, did you see that Twitter community notes fact checked him on that? <laughs> so funny. Oh my God. So I don't know. I think it's they're very different suits. Coin, coin, uh, the stock had a really tough week. I will say mm-hmm. it was interesting to watch Bitcoin and ETH price action. They initially yeah. on the news of Binance, they went down. Yep. When Coinbase got announced, they bounced. And yep. I think so I think the market sort of knew that this was this was happening. It got priced in a little bit, and it probably wasn't as bad as people were people thought, judging by the the price action. And usually when there's horrendous news and there isn't a new new low put in, I mean that's a sign. So I I continue to stay bullish on this. Yeah, look, uh, 100%, um, you you think about the the severity or the scope of of the news this week in terms of, you know, the, the primary regulator is going after the largest, you know, two exchanges in, in the world. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big week. And, and there was a pretty big drop. I mean, 10% drop in, in BTC pretty quickly. Uh, but your point, it, it recovered quite nicely. And uh, ETH as well, and, and a number of the other coins that were named didn't really fall off a cliff and, and go to zero. Um, I think more importantly, the 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 mood of the the community right or communities right because multiple communities was was pretty resilient right it wasn't all down in the dumps and um you know now it wasn't you know oh let's let's go get the pitchforks and and storm and storm washington either uh, i think that's probably a good thing um but i i don't know i I think this is the inevitable path through disruptive innovation. And then we've seen it over and over. And I, I remember, and most people listening to this don't, you know, when they introduced the bill literally to try to kill the internet, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of people thinking, oh, this is the end. And, you know, AOL is going to be out of business and there's going to be no need for Google and eBay and, and Yahoo. And, and uh, you know, the, the people wrote this big, long bill, literally, to try to keep the telephone company's revenues coming in. And it didn't happen. Now... This is a little bit different. This isn't actually a law. This is kind of trying to back end into law um, through the courts. And the courts, to your point, on the war chest, this could go on all long. Yeah, that's why I just am a little surprised at it. And it maybe there are people that understand this sort of dynamic better than me, but even in previous SEC enforcement actions, they've been very targeted and it seems like they've picked battles that they know they can win. They're mm-hmm. really going for the jugular here on all the big ones that have gigantic war chests and are capable of fighting. It seems like they've, they maybe have risked spreading themselves a little bit thin. Yeah. I sort of wonder if they view this as a specific window where there's political appetite to pursue these sorts of fights. Yeah, because, that's a really good insight. It's a really you know, good insight. I think the, that's right. the, 
the administration is probably going to change soon. They're probably just trying to open up all of these all of these suits that frankly are going to take years. You know, these won't even be decided in the current administration. Yeah. So, oh, uh, hey, look, the guy that appointed, you know, Gigi to the top, he may not be in office very much longer. Um, so yeah. my guess is there's not a lot of appetite to, to keep him around. In fact, there was a group of lawmakers this morning I read that want to go after him right now. Like, don't even let him survive till the end of, of Biden's term. So, uh, and he's been chastised by the judge in the XRP case multiple times, not just once, but but twice, where he basically said, you know, you're overstepping your bounds and, and this is this is not accurate. You know, the thing, I think the thing with Binance and people say, oh, you know, why are you defending Binance? I'm not defending Binance. I'm just saying there is a thing called due process. Um, you can't seize assets before you have an adjudication, I don't think. Um, but here's the thing. What they do outside the U.S., it's not under our jurisdiction. And their, their unit in the U.S., yes, they have to follow the rules. The fact that the rules were not clear at all is, is a fact, right? The rules were not clear. And there was no requirement to register. There wasn't. These assets that are now being called securities were not at the time that these firms, both Coinbase and Binance US, came into being. So it's kind of a weird argument to say, well, now they're securities. So you should have known three, four years ago that we were going to call them securities and you should have registered. Yeah. That's a weird, that's a weird. I don't know. That, that just, that seems illogical to me. Hey everyone, we'll get back to the show in a minute, but just wanted to let you know that we've got our permissionless conference coming up. This is the one that we do with Bankless. It is the biggest and best conference in DeFi. It's going to be in Austin, Texas this year, September 11th through the 13th. You've been in crypto for a while. You know that bear market conferences are the best conferences because those are the one that all the alphas at. This year, we've got a phenomenal lineup of speakers and the topics that we're covering are insane. We're going to be talking about ZK Tech, Rollups, Count Abstraction, MEV, App Change, the whole suite of stuff. I cannot wait myself. So because you're a listener of this podcast, you're also going to get a discount. Type in pods 20 and you're going to get 20% off your ticket. Click the link at the bottom of this episode and go get it now because prices go up every two weeks. The, I don't have any special knowledge about the the Binance suit. I will just repeat what I said before, where I, I don't think this is the future of crypto. I think we deserve better, more transparent market structures than what Binance affords. And, you know, I don't know if CZ has done anything wrong. I will say having perused some of these documents, it doesn't look great. It looks pretty damning. But, you know, that'll that'll get decided in the coming the coming months and years. I think one of the challenges that Frankly, regulators, but we're going to have to fit. You know, I don't know how much you've ever looked into the whole fourth turning sort of theory and oh, yeah. sort of a broad frame. Parts yep. of it have really resonated with me over the years. And one of the things about fourth turnings is that there's a lot of small problems that all kind of bubble up at the same time. Yep. I feel like that's a pretty accurate descriptor of where we're at in terms of society right now. And frankly, I think when you read, I've thought a lot about this, you know, crypto securities regulations, stuff like that. I think the things that are actually broken here are the accredited investor laws. And frankly, the Howey oh. test. I just don't think it's just like, you know, in crypto, people try to like put a PL on something like Ethereum. And it's like, this thing isn't a company. That 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 doesn't make any sense. You know, that's like trying to put a PL on oil. I it just it yeah. is illogical. Again, so, perfect analogy. Perfect analogy. So they are gonna have to they I think this is the the tough thing, right? Is that regulators are gonna have to do the work of creating a new framework for this. And they're going to have to do it with AI. They're going to have to do it with a bunch of these new technologies oh, wait, that wait, don't wait, fit wait. neatly are, into are our you boxes. Saying, are you saying that laws written in 1933 and 1940 perhaps aren't adequate to deal with innovation in, in the 2020s? Yeah. Is that your contention? Like what is how, – how does staking fit into securities law? <laughs> that, I, I just – that is – it doesn't. I mean, there was no analog to that. They look, weren't thinking that that was going to be a possibility. And as I said, if if this bastardization of the Howey test to basically say anything where you expect 
gain is now a security, that's a bad press. That is a precedent they do not want to set. No, because I'm, I think that's I'm I'm telling you, every piece of real estate is then a security. Every single one. Yeah. Because no one buys real estate thinking, oh, I think it's going to go down. <laughs> Have you read Twitter lately? Yeah. Everybody's promising you to become a millionaire by buying their, well, they don't actually tell you to buy real estate. They tell you to buy their book to tell you how to buy real estate. Yeah. Um, so actually buy the real estate and it might work. But, you know, it, it just, it's, it's just so nonsensical. And I get it, right? If your goal is, which I believe, to choke off this innovation. So that's a big, crazy goal. But if, if that's your goal, right, to choke off crypto, and everybody says, well, they just want to choke off crypto, not Bitcoin. Oh, no, 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 no. They're coming for Bitcoin too, y'all. And um, that is the... That has been the most frustrating. To, I haven't responded to any of those on Twitter, but that is the worst take. Oh, it's the worst. I, take. It's, it's the, the worst, worst take I've seen take. about all of this. Let me. So, okay, all the people who are saying, "Oh, well, Bitcoin's not a security." All these other, you know, sinning currencies are securities. Do you really think this is about securities law here? Do you think that's what's going on? So, it, the the state apparatus will do things that are in its own interest, which. Crypto of all of them have the most interests that are most orthogonal to like the current interests of the United States of America. It's Bitcoin. It's the stated intent of Bitcoin to disrupt the United States dollar. And you can say it's not blah, 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 but enough people say that, that you could understand that that's how they might think, right? Yeah. So you think that this is about securities? I just think that's so naive. That's just not clearly not what's happening here. So no, no. it's, it's, I hate that take. Yeah, it's it's a crazy take, but but it's the take that you know when when it, you know I think we're prone to Hatfield and McCoyism. Just as, not familiar as with humans, that. right? Mm. We're we're prone to tribalism. We're prone to conflict, and I think it's just easier to hate someone else than it is to love, you know, everybody. I, I just think that's that's where we are today. I just had to look that reference up that you just dropped. Is this what well, is that Phil? Is that a very well known feud? The Hatfield McCoy. Oh no, 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 no! I just made it up. Yeah. The Hatfields and McCoys were two clans in Tennessee, Kentucky kind of area, um, not like hillbilly. I mean, and I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory. I mean they were people that lived. Yeah, I'm looking this up. 1863 to 1891, and, and they basically just fought like all the time. So it's just a kind of rural, not hillbilly, a rural version of, you know, uh, gangs. Gotcha. Gotcha. But it was familial. That was familiar. Yeah. It was, you were either, well, but it goes back to Romeo and Juliet, right? I can't remember the, I should be able to remember the, the two families. Capulets and, Capulets the, and, but and the Montagues. Montagues. There you go. Capulets yeah, yeah. and Montagues. So it's the same thing. Capulets. And it's been going on for millennia. It is the nature of humans to war, right? My son's been, my son had to write, this is kind of fun. He had to write, my 12-year-old, had to write a story, uh, a, a creative story, historical fiction about the uh, Spartans and the Greeks, right? That's who fought. Greek the the Spartans, Spartans were one of the Greek city states. The Spartans and the uh, the Athenians. Athenians, that was the, Spartans the and Athenians, and yeah. the whole Trojan War thing. And so he wrote this really cool story, and he did not use ChatGPT. So I, I give him credit. He he thought about it. He's like, "Why don't I just put the prompt in?" I'm like, and he actually said, "No, I'm not going to do that." So that was cool. So he actually wrote it. Um, it was pretty good. Um, very interesting. And uh, anyway, but but look. Warring factions have been going on forever and, you know, maxis and non-maxis and crypto haters. And, and my whole thing keeps coming back to this. The innovation of blockchain technology as an operating system for the internet of value or the truth net, as I call it. That's what we should all be fighting for. 
And I yeah. think a lot of people are fighting for it. You know, one thing I've been thinking about, let me pose, because this would be probably an unpopular opinion, especially in, in sort of crypto circles, but I've been thinking about this. So I we talked about Slow Horses and that it's great, great uh, Apple show everyone should watch, but it's gotten me nerding out about spy stuff and I've gone down a whole bunch of Wikipedia yeah. rabbit holes of late. And there are some crazy stories that intelligence agencies have done. And I think- oh. If you're at the the highest level of you know intelligence and defense for a country, I'm actually I think they probably do think like this, and I'm glad they think like this. Highly adversarial thinking. So from your and my perspective, we're sitting here being like these open networks are awesome, but I think I'm really trying to put myself in the shoes of like if I were responsible for you know the integrity and defense of the United States. I'd be really nervous about the value proposition of crypto because there's a strong, it's like, hey, for critical infrastructure that powers the US, like power, like our power grid, I don't really want that to be open. You know, I want that closed, baby, internal to the US. So I, I do think if you really adopted a super adversarial sort of cap, uh, that's going to be a, I do not know how that's going to play out with governments because I think there's a very rational, you know, They've got some very rational hangups about about the things hey, that we talk about in crypto. The uh, the revolution will be decentralized. Decentralized is tough for nation states, right? Um, look, we've we've spent a lot of time, like thousands plural of years, centralizing. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, we've done a really good job making these power bases. Now it leads to little complications like wars and you know famines and 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 other things and and uh, dictators and and oppression of of certain you know tribal groups uh because somebody drew a line on on some map right i mean that that's the crazy part and now you got it i, I mean i just saw the thing down in they're they're arguing about it down um alabama alabama um, where they're now arguing about, again, drawing lines on maps for voting rights. And thankfully, you know, thankfully, actually, you know, we have a, what, 6-3 conservative majority in the Supreme Court. And two, not one, but two flipped to the other side and said, no, this doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I used to have this kind of framework for, you just mentioned we've been centralizing for thousands of years. And so I have this framework in my head of, yeah, well, we used to be very centralized, but like, you know, post Egyptian empire sort of timeframe, we've actually been decentralizing and that's led to America, blah, 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 all yeah. this great stuff. Yeah. And I think if you actually look at history, that is not, it's not like a linear road from being highly centralized to decentralized. It's more like the vast majority of human organization in empires and nation states has been extremely centralized with little pockets of decentralization that are not actually, it's not as correlated as we would probably like to think in America, the style of government and the success of a country. And in fact, probably liberal, open liberal democracies are the exception and not the rule for most of human history. Oh my and gosh. the scoreboard, yeah. you know, a classic thing that people, do, you know, you were mentioning the Peloponnesian War. You know, back that Thucydides recorded uh, a whole bunch of it. And he, he did a good job of of recording kind of what was internally what people in, in Athens were thinking because there's a this is such an overdone comparison I almost don't want to bring it up but the comparison between modern day the CCP in America in this case the analogy would be the CCP to Sparta and you know Athens to America one is yeah. more open and liberal the Spartans were extremely oppressive uh, it was a very small sort of oligopoly at the top and and Athenians were like well we have a more advanced form of government and they got they lost. They lost. And and actually the, the stronger thing to correlate the success of nations is their geographic position and uh property laws, having strong property laws. Yeah. So I don't know if it's actually as clear as I wish it was like this, but I don't no, I don't think I, that a historical a really, analysis would support that idea. No, it's it's, it's a really good insight, but part of it is in ancient times, you had no ability to really know what was happening in other decentralized nodes, right? Yeah. You couldn't travel there. You couldn't see, I mean, smoke signals maybe, but, or fires at night. Um, but they're really, you know, over long, long distances, 
you really didn't have much interaction. The average person never traveled. So it really was little centralized clusters with the advent of you know written text. Now you could transfer information around, around the world. And, and then with media and now with internet technology, whew, talk about, you know, the ability to centralize. I mean, think about, you know, the sun never set on the British empire yeah. for a long time, you know, with, with pretty bad tech. Now the American empire gets to take advantage of, of internet technology. And, and now China, as I will argue, figured out that the next war we fought with chips, not ships. So they're spending all their time and effort on 5G, AI, all the things to dominate in, in cyber and what's happening. Yeah. Things are changing, right? Things are moving to the renminbi, to the Chinese node, I guess. So I, I do think it's a very interesting conversation. Yeah. Who knows? It's it's very it's very very difficult to predict these things. And Actually, you know the best part. Know. I mean, I love this. The you know best hour of my week. But you know what I love about it is this is like the one place where we can actually have conversations about ideas instead of facts and events. Mm. And that that is a lost opportunity. I you know, Eleanor Roosevelt, and this is probably somebody before her, said, you know, uh, small minds talk about people, average minds talk about events, and, you know, big minds talk about ideas. And not that I have a big mind, but I, I, I really enjoy talking about ideas, especially with someone who brings the historical uh, knowledge that you do from all your, your studies. But being a nerd. So, no, but, but so few people will actually sit down with you anymore and, and have a conversation mm. about something that isn't what they saw on TV last night or, you know, some event and, and worse, just about people, you know, kibitzing about people. But, you know, I, I loved your point about Athens bigger, badder, faster, stronger, but they still lost. And it reminded me that, you know, the, the, this quote about uh, never doubt that a small group of focused, I can't remember the exact quote, but focused, dedicated individuals can change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that ever has. And, you know, you don't might, might not want to label the 300 as right, the, the epitome of, of, you know, world changers, but, but they did change the world in, in a way. Um, yeah. Just like, <laughs> little, another little plug for Unchained, they did pick 300 probably for that reason. Uh, so it is the OCM 300 uh, on June mm -hmm. 15th. But uh, anyway. Nice. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting period of time to that. We, there's, uh, the, it, there's an asymmetry in terms of not the Athenians wrote a lot more down. We don't know almost anything about Sparta, but they were super interesting way that they organized their society. But I agree. The ideas well, and, and you know, the other point on that, again, back to big ideas, think about just the incredible societies that existed thousands of years ago in Latin America, South America, in Egypt, in, you know, parts of, of Africa. Southern and Central were, America too. Yeah. They're finding there was a LIDAR, uh, with LIDAR technology, that's the laser mapping. They found these massive superhighways connecting all these Mayan cities. And now, you know, just, I think within the last month this got discovered and now people are thinking they were much more advanced than we had originally mm -hmm. thought. Although I, I will, you know, I, I made the point that it was harder to know what was happening, you know, in other parts of the world. Yet there's some amazing stuff. Like I guess there's a, you know, everyone known Stonehenge, you know, the big rock thing. But I guess there's one in shoot, is it in Cuba or another? It's somewhere down in 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 the Caribbean, and it's precisely 666 miles from the pyramids. And it's like, what? And it just weird stuff like that. Um, that, you know, like, how did they get that, right? How, how, how could you do that with little papyrus boats? And anyway. Yeah. I, I want to um, I wanna touch on, it's been a really slow, slow week and past couple of weeks for macro. So I just want to touch on it. You know, when I was trying to look for stuff for, for this week to talk about, 
honestly, it's been sort of thin. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you've kind of got it's we're still in the same period of limbo that I think we have been for a period of time. You know, nothing big, like mortgage rates still feel too high based on where housing levels are at right now. There's well, like Michael, to that point, think about this. Six weeks ago, all we talked about was macro. The I world know. was ending, the bank runs, everything was macro. Yeah. And now no one's talking about macro. That's a weird, it's, you know, you're up in, in, uh, in the New York area with, with the apocalyptic kind of, you know, smoke and the orange skies and all this. And, but it's weird. And you, and I, I had uh, someone who was traveling up there and said it was so, so quiet. So, so sad because everyone's inside. It was, it was and, weird. Um, but this is, this is a quiet that's weird because, you know, there was all the talk about oh, what's the Fed going to do? What's the Fed? No one's talking about what the Fed's going to do. I haven't heard any yeah. talk about this yeah. upcoming meeting other than, you know, the skip versus the pause. Um, but you're, you're right. This, you have to dig really hard to find somebody talking about, no one's talking about inflation. Where's all the talk about inflation? Where did it go? I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. I, you know what? It's, the the only thing that's doing well right is the AI narrative, and I yeah. actually like. There was a Mike Mike Green tweeted this out. I was thinking this myself, but you know, people kind of cite like, "Oh, look, like Stan Druckenmiller was one of the investors in in uh, in Nvidia." You know, Stan Druckenmiller is is a trader, a, a self described trader. You know, I think I think an investment from him can be described as like, "Hey, he saw a." You know, a a mid to short 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 to midterm opportunity, right? Instead of being yeah. a long term investor, I still think Nvidia is just, you know, it's thirty five times sales. People are dredging up the you know the Sun Microsystems talk about what ten times sales would mean. Four nineteen is the high. Yeah. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Yeah, four nineteen is the high. Well, Not the thing is, back. so I you know when something's untethered from its uh, its fundamentals, it could double from here. I have no idea. I nope. mean, it, 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 nope. it's just the one you think this is the top. It's Intel. It's Intel two thousand, hundred twenty dollars. Intel. Intel never sniffed one hundred twenty again ever. Yeah, and might you, not. You know, right. I mean, Intel's yeah. down sixty percent from there, and um, again, it's not. It's it's a good company. And they make good products, but you can't have a trillion dollar market cap if you only make a billion dollars. You just you just can't. Mm-hmm. Stupid. The the AI stuff is is interesting. I, I heard someone describe this a little while ago, and it sort of stuck with me about comparing, you know, crypto to AI in terms of being disruption disruptive, and the the Clay Christensen model of disruptive is. It's the incumbents miss a new innovation because it's not conducive to their business model. Not that they're they don't get it or it doesn't make sense, right. but right. because you know IBM used to sell large computers, you know five hundred million dollar computers yes. or sorry five million dollar computers to a big corporate client, and then when the personal computer came up, it it's not that they missed it; it just didn't make business sense. They're making right. five million dollar sales of a single computer. Why would I sell one computer to a household that's going to be a crappier customer? So they actually made a logical business decision yeah. to ignore it. And then it, you know, someone else basically saw that, made a much larger market, and blah, blah, blah. The rest is history. AI and crypto are different because crypto is disruptive to incumbents. It serves a niche small market today, but the bet is that that market will grow and become bigger. Yeah. AI actually reinforces advantages that incumbents have. So it's not disruptive from that standpoint. The value that is going to accrue to the AI value is going to accrue to like NVIDIA, Google, Microsoft, these other gigantic companies. And I, it, you know, it's TBD, right? In between, like there are all these AI startups and, you know, a lot of VCs are encouraging entrepreneurs to pivot to AI, which by the way, I think is not great advice. You should probably be focusing on the thing that you understand and know and not try to rotate into the latest hype cycle. But well, well, but what is an AI startup? Tell me what an AI startup is. This is this is the, the nonsense that tell me what t- not and again I don't want to put you on the spot, but somebody tell me what that means. What does it mean to do an AI startup? That's like saying do a crypto startup. It's it's just a nonsensical term. It's like do an internet startup. No, yeah. do an internet service provider, do a um, company that manufactures the chips that allow networking, do a company that makes bandwidth faster, 
do, you know, what is an AI startup? I mean, we got LLMs. We got them. And again, I have ChatGPT right on my computer. I don't use it. I know you use it, but yeah, there are a lot of people, they, they dabbled it and now it's over. And, but someone's going to come up with an AI tool that's helpful to me. I've tried a bunch of them. I tried the little personal assistant one, you know, to manage my CRM. Eh, maybe it'll get better. <laughs> it was, it was, it was okay, but it wasn't. Yeah. I like my assistant. She's, she's way better than any AI. Pam is way better than any AI right now. Now maybe an AI would be great. Maybe we'll have Rosie the robot from the Jetsons. I know you don't know what that is, but um, <laughs> old people will know what Rosie the robot is, but um, it's, I don't know. I, this, to your point, pivot, pivot to AI. What does it mean? What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, what does, does that, mean? that mean? I mean, here's I the thing. We, we believe it. We, you know, we're, we're raising our, our fourth one and we've, we've codified it now. We talk about the ABCDs of the digital age. Okay. That's nothing different than what we've been doing for the last five years. We've just now codified it into this, you know, catchphrase. A, AI. B, blockchain, C, computer platforms, just chips, and D, data. Those four things are the building blocks, like ATCG. Those are the building blocks of life. Think about that for a second. There are four things that all of life comes from. That's pretty amazing, right? You just combine it all different ways, make the DNA, and, and you're on your way. But, but AI, blockchain... Okay, so AI is a tool, blockchain is an operating system. The chips are what make the computing platforms work because ultimately that's all this is. It's all just computing platforms. And then data is what allows the tools to work. It allows us to differentiate and, and monetize. And it's, you're looking for things that intersect. Like we have this company figure, what do they do? They make loans on chain. How do they do that? They use an AI tool that instead of taking a month to get your home equity line of credit, you get approved in five minutes or not approved and you get your money in five days. It's just using an AI tool. It's not really that big an innovation, but they did it. And they use Plaid to, to look at your bank account. Okay, great. And then they issue the mortgages, I mean the loans on chain. That's interesting. That's an intersection of the two, blockchain and AI. We have another company, called Chain Reaction, they make chips that allow blockchains to be secure. They make a better ASIC. But the cool thing is they also have a new chip design. So it's a design, and there are four companies working on this. They have a design to create a chip that would revolutionize data. That's a big word, revolutionize. But think about it. Today, you and I can have secure data if we have it. We can encrypt it locally. If we want to send it, there are ways to encrypt it. Most people don't, right? They send their SMS text. We've all seen the commercial. They don't use WhatsApp, so it's not encrypted. And, oh, I didn't know you had a rash. Okay, I'm not going to meet with you today, or I'm not going to give you that raise. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so uh, like leprosy, right, in the old days. So, but... Then when it gets to the data center, it's encrypted. But every time someone wants to interact with all that data, it has to be decrypted. How many times have you gotten your visa number hacked, your password hacked? All these big hacks happen because you have to decrypt the data to interact with it. Well, these guys think, and I'm not techy enough to know if they can do it. They think they have a new chip design called a privacy protection unit that will allow you to interact with the data without decrypting it. Mm. How big is that TAM? Big. Like every computer in the cloud would have to use these chips, mm. not NVIDIA chips. So I'm not saying they're going to take down NVIDIA. That's not my point. But they might. 
What's going on, everybody? Thank you for listening to On The Margin. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a very special offer that we have coming out of BlockWorks Research. Now, many of you will probably be familiar with our platform, but BlockWorks Research is the most blue-chip spot to get research, data, governance, models, and a whole lot more about the leading DeFi protocols in the space. I've leaned on our analysts time and time again to explain complicated concepts going on in DeFi to me like I'm five years old. They can do the same for you. If you invest in DeFi or are just interested in it, it is an absolute no-brainer. As a listener of On The Margin, and to say thank you all for listening to the show, you can use Margin 10 for a 10% discount, and that gives you access to everything, which would be weekly in-depth reports, live data, all of that good stuff. So again, that's code MARGIN10 for a 10% discount. Link is in the show notes. Sign up now. Thank you later. Well, you know, it's it's sort of that that's the whole law of capitalism, right? It's when whenever there is someone who makes an enormous amount of profits, eventually someone's going to see that and go try to steal those profits. Modern examples that people would remember. Netflix. Netflix, when they crushed streaming, what happened? Everyone and their mother released a streaming platform. It was pretty visible, right, that this was going to be competitive with Netflix. All the analysts said it was going to be competitive. It took a little longer than everyone thought. And yeah. suddenly, yeah, it was. Now we've got Apple. We've got Disney. Hulu, all these different competitors, and yeah, it's been bad. But for real innovators keep innovating, and and you mentioned the, you know be offline the 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 new the new Apple uh, goggles, and everybody's oh, yeah. like, oh, that's, that's so ridiculous, you know, so expensive. Here's the thing: they solved a couple of of the interesting challenges. You know, Oculus, it's dark can't see, you're isolated. Now you look kind of funky in the commercial wearing that that Apple, what is it called? Apple Vision? Apple Vision. Um, yeah, Apple Vision, Vision Pro, Pro. Vision Pro. But you can see the other person. You could actually have a conversation without taking the headset off. And then you can go back. I don't know. That's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I um, I have the same thought as you. I, I, I sort of had, I can give you kind of my the more negative thoughts and then the more positive sure. thoughts because I had sure, both of sure. them. So the negative, the negative was, I think at a high level, I remember when the iPhone came out and I just thought, even though I was, you know, 15 at the time, I thought to myself, I want that so badly. Oh, wow. And I didn't, I didn't have that thought for this. I'll be honest. I looked at it no, and I thought easy. there were well, a lot of- Okay. I'm going to tell you why though. Because you are now the person- 30 something mm. who was saying, I will never pay $500 for a phone. I have my <laughs> flip phone. No way. And the Apple stock, Apple stock went down 40% in two weeks when yeah. the iPhone was released. But my 12 year old, it's like, dad, when are we getting it? When are we getting it? That's such a good, all right. See, that's a great point. That's a really good point. The other, the other negative was just that, you know, it was a little bit of a bummer that it's got the you know, the, the wire, it's not wireless and there's a, you know, a battery and all that kind of stuff. Sure. The battery only lasts two hours. That, that was the negative. The positive, the positive was, I think I looked at, you know, when, when Facebook came out with their uh, Oculus, I looked at that and I was like, that's, I have no, I don't want to be in this world where the animation is crappy. And what am I going to do here? I looked at the, this and I, you can squint at it and see the, the future of computing like that. I think the decision to go AR instead of Holy VR was crap. night and day better. When they uh, you showed could, the pinch the, to make a screen. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. That, that's from, that's from every movie in the last that's from every years. movie. Exactly. Right? That's, that's totally. Iron Man. That's Iron Man with, um, what was, what was her name? Uh, Jarvis. Jarvis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're close. Now we're not, I agree. Close. We're not that close, but but that was amazing, and I thought so too. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, spatial comp just calling it spatial computing. Yeah, genius, genius, mad genius. No, no mention of this AR hypey buzzwordy stuff. They just showed you how you can use it. The, the Apple's always been so good at that, and they look the first version of this. I mean, this is sort of a done comparison here, but you know when the iWatch came out or whatever that thing that Apple people Watch, yeah. Apple Watch, people were like, this sucks. Then, you know, it was not particularly successful when it first came. Yeah, exa exactly. Now they've had time to iterate on it and it's phenomenal. Yep. And I feel like in terms of just pure muscle memory, Apple's got to be one of the best at this. Just shipping hardware, 
they really don't miss on many of their products. They have a really no. high hit rate. And if you they give don't. them a couple of years to iterate on this, I think it's going to be a game. Yeah. And you know what? I think the thing to look for is uh, one analogy that's always struck with me or a concept is this idea of skeuomorphism. So probably there will be a lot of mm-hmm. apps that are like kind of skeuomorphic. And it's like, okay, I can see this in front of me in 3D and that's cool. But eventually designers like app builders will start to make apps that were not possible in 2D. That will take a couple of years, I think. But once that happens, that's a whole new race. That's a whole yeah. new design I, I, space they've opened. Perfect, right? My only my only negative for the the Vision Pro was I don't need my spreadsheet to be 215 inches. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't really need that. I'm, I'm I'm okay with my you know 15 inch screen on my my laptop, which is an Apple, by the way. Um, and you happen to be wearing the best earphones on the planet. I mean, the sound of the AirPods Max is there's just nothing close. Nothing close. And um, anyway, I have a I have a question for you. Now it's my turn to question, Mark. When's the last time you spent five or six straight hours in an Excel model and you were looking at it all the <laughs> living in the weeds? So maybe for you, the 50, yeah, yeah, exactly. hey, no, you got me, you got <laughs> you know, me. Right? So the, the 15 inch screen might be fine for you, but an analyst who lives in that hundred percent, you got me that, that, no. and, and look, that's, that's perfect. That is absolutely perfect because know your audience and know, know the different users. And, you know, the, the idea that zoom slash whatever meetings teams will feel more immersive. It's pretty cool. All right. That, that's a yeah. real improvement. That's a real improvement. The thing, oh, the, the, the thing that, that I'm like real, and again, they, they just use the exact right word. They're such geniuses. Memories. They didn't call them videos. They didn't call them pictures. They called them memories. That 3D video of the child and the dog, holy moly. Yeah. That is, I'm in like that. That is the Harry Potter kind of moving pictures in the book. Or I'm in, I'm totally in because memories. That's what it's all about, right? A static 2D picture, it's nice. A 3D video, I mean a, a 2D video. I mean it's 3D, but it's it doesn't feel 3D. This felt immersive, and. Calling it a, oh, I just loved it. Calling it a memory it was just so good, and yeah. I love every day. I love that you know my phone pops up old pictures, sets it to music. It's a little cheesy, but I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, I thought they just that's a it. use I of AI that I'll pay for. I you know what I also I also think that young people are much better at using technology than the olds. I I would you know. I'm maybe a, a young transitioning to an older, but but they but even 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 for me, I you know, uh, watching a young person use like an iPad or an iPhone, they use in ways that I you know it's my two year old. I mean, my two year old grandson, my yeah. two year old grandson, is swiping and turning things on. The intuitiveness. <laughs> Yeah. It's, and, and, and they're digital natives. And look, I've said this before, wrapping it all back to crypto. Um, my newest granddaughter, right, who's zero or six months, will never, ever, ever yeah. have a leather wallet. She'll never have one. She'll never use physical currency, ever. That, that's mind-blowing if you stop and think about it for a second. Yeah. But, you know, so completely agree with that. And the, 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 the thing about the Apple platform was I could see, especially for someone who, like, let's just flash forward to five versions of this from now, from Apple, right? They're going to fix the, bat, the external battery pack. They're going to have longer battery life. They're going to make these incremental improvements that make it today. I'm like, I probably wouldn't get this today to, you know, a definite hard yes. And you could imagine someone who's grown up thinking about computing in a 3D environment like this, the thought of using a 2D computer would be like you and I going back to watching movies on a 20 inch screen in black yeah, yeah, and white. Yeah, 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 that, it, it, yeah. would be, it would be just as bad as that. So yeah. that I, I think 
yeah, I think they've, and you know what else? Credit to them. Apparently it took seven years. They've been working on this for seven yeah. years and they were, uh, the, this is the rumor that they, it was 50-50 of whether or not they were going to launch it. And apparently yeah. Tim Cook was the one who banged his his hands on the table and said, we need to to launch this thing. Uh, that's yeah, the, although that's, I did see the one thing I thought was cool. He didn't put it on. Zuck put it on. Tim didn't put it on. Tim should have put it on. But yeah. one, I want to give one other shout out on Amazing Tech that, that, you know, we talk about, you know, what is an AI company? And I think that's a bad thing. But here's an example of a company that is using AI in a way that I am just so psyched about. So my big thing, like, in life is early childhood education, right? And I don't know if I've told the story before why that is, but... You know, I got a tour of a, a, a youth prison many years ago and, you know, the warden asked, Why, what's the number one reason people go to prison? And we're all like, I don't know, single parent, family, poverty, drugs. Nope, 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 nope. She let us go on. And she finally said, give up. I'm like, yeah, I guess. She said, the score on the second grade reading test. I'm like, what? So yeah, you score below a certain level. You will fall behind, you'll be ostracized, you'll drop out, you'll go to prison. We build prisons in this country based on the scores in counties on the second grade reading test. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, so we set foundation and we, we give to early childhood education. Well, there's this thing called synthesis school that, you know, is backed by SpaceX people and uh, their ideas to, to be better at education. And one of the things that I've, I've said for a long time is, why doesn't every student have access today to the best teacher in every subject? We know who that is. We have video of those people. Everybody should be taught the basics by the best teacher. And then we can have the local be more facilitative, conversational workshop. Don't ask someone who doesn't know how to teach to do with this amazing person. And so they've created an AI tutor as a companion to bundling the greatest teachers on the planet in each subject. And my mind, it's like so amazing. And so you've got this AI where the kid can ask intuitive questions and this amazing teacher then comes on and explains the concepts. That is big. And that's how we catch up with China, who's kicking our butt in education, particularly in STEM education. And um, I, I'm, I'm all over this, you know, and there's probably other people besides Synthesis that are doing it, but blown away by what they're doing. And um, kudos. I yeah, if I was a single, I do not believe in being a single issue voter, but if I was a single issue voter, it would be around education. Just a value that got driven into me by my, by my parents at a pretty young age. So Look, yeah, I, mean, I completely agree with you. We can fix the score on the secondary reading test with simple things like Head Start and these types of programs and Khan Academy and Sal Khan, one of the great people on the planet. Um, and he is one of the great teachers ever. I'll listen to the guy all day. I don't know something about his voice, something about his manner. I mean, the guy's amazing. And he's actually got some good stuff for adults too. But um, I just think that innovation, that use case, right? So synthesis school is a school, but now they're integrating AI into curriculum and building AI tools. That's AI, right? This idea that there's going to be some mythical AI that's going to, you know, push a button and, and destroy us all. I, I know I'm, I'm more, I'm more hopeful that, uh, it's a tool along with, you know, blockchain is an operating system. Chips are the facilitators and data is the oil. And those four things become our, our ATCG. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I don't know if I have any nuanced understanding of how AI should be regulated. I, you know, you could imagine, right? If, okay, I, I sort of buy the argument that LLMs are, they're a little bit deceptive in terms of how advanced they really are. You know, yeah. the whole point is to mimic human language and we are, 
you know, might be jumping ahead uh, in terms of conclusions for how smart these things are. Okay. You could still look at this technology and see how in even 10 years, it might actually be Skynet like AGI. I don't know. And sure. that for that, you know, you probably do want a little bit of regulation, but how do you do that? Because I, I, I think it's just, these are all very difficult, challenging questions. And frankly, I think I need to think a little bit about how I would want government to react to this. Uh, mm-hmm. What do I think is like reasonable? How do I think it's reasonable for them to react? Um, because I yeah, don't think they're doing it's, a very it's, good it's, job right you now. Regulate, you regulate the users and the use cases, not the tools. We can stop all of the risks of AI. Just outlaw chips. Yeah. Outlaw AI chips, right? Right now, just outlaw, and we won't have the problem. Well, that's dumb, <laughs> because then we wouldn't have the synthesis school thing. So you regulate the uses, and you regulate the, the, the use cases, but don't don't flip out about the tools. We don't need to slow down innovation, right? That's what the SEC tried to do with crypto. We don't need to slow down innovation. We need to encourage innovation. And, you know, the whole thing about jobs, I keep saying this over and over and over again, every technology that has ever come along has eradicated jobs, every single one. But we have more jobs today than any time in history because it creates more jobs than it erases. It just does. And, and that's, that's because humans and creativity, which they're not going to replicate that. I'm sorry, not ever. I'm, I'll say it, and I'll probably be gone long before it ever actually happens if it does happen. So uh, hopefully not soon. But no way. There's no way. No AI could have predicted the crazy stuff we talked about this morning. No, no. way. Right? I agree. There's just it, no, no, not possible. And I'll, 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 I'll defy anyone to show me that it's just not possible. No way. Yeah, I agree with you there, Mark. All right, I think we've got to end it here. Best hour of my week, my friend. I will All see right. you here sometime next Michael. week. Have Cheers. a great weekend. Talk to you soon. You too.